If you're here, it's because you want to think seriously about your own formation as a kingdom leader. I'm Kevin Minoy, and I invite you to participate in the diverse community of Christian leaders, both anchored and reaching in the work of God. Hang on while we push deep into the crevices of leadership formation, whether as a pastor, educator, organizational leader, or business person. Let's go. Welcome back to Generous Engagement. I am glad that you're thinking about this because this is one of the most important features of being in the world, though we are not of the world, of being the hands and feet of Jesus, of being salt and light in the world. All the things that we read about in scripture that tell us that we are to go and make disciples, that we are to uh, represent God and reflect Jesus in the world. All of that has to do with how we engage with culture around us. As I've said before in our times together, we really are living in an increasingly pluralistic culture not just in one country, not just in North America or, or even in the United States, but around the world, increasingly, pluralism is beginning to become part of our world existence and our cultural experience and mindset. So as we think about the overarching theme of, of our series and about these broadcasts of being anchored and reaching, there are some things that remain secure and unchanging, but those are certainly not our culture. And because our culture changes around us, how we as kingdom-minded people, as citizens of the kingdom, as emissaries of God, rep representing God and reflecting Jesus while we're doing it, because that culture is changing, who we are and how we engage that culture has to change as well. And so as we think about connecting kingdom with culture, or sometimes I call that empire because that's what we as humans build or the empires of the world. As we think about engaging kingdom with empire or culture, the question of connection becomes really important. How do we connect these two in a way that makes sense how do we connect these two so that the kingdom mission is being advanced, so that the kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven? How do we engage in such a way that we bring the kingdom near? And I'd like you to keep that kind of phraseology fresh in your thinking because that's really what we're doing. We're not imposing doctrine. We're not imposing theology. We're not imposing behavior. We're not imposing politics. And like we talked about in our last episode, we're not imposing social position or even behavioral expectations. What we're doing is we're generously offering the kingdom to a culture that is becoming increasingly pluralistic and we simply want to make sure that that culture, that that kingdom is represented well in that culture so that it will come on earth as it is in heaven. And that's our really our imperative, right, as, as kingdom citizens. So as we think about that engagement, as I've said before, we want to do that not in an imposing way, not in a fear-based way, but in a generous way. After all, the love of God is generous, the holiness of God is expansive, and he offers that holiness and love to people in a generous way. So how do we engage 
culture generously. Well, last time we talked about being more centered than bounded. In this episode, I'd like to talk with you about a second major principle of that, a principle of that kind of, of generous engagement. And I call this, or I say that this one, uh, in this case, we are defined as being more descriptive than prescriptive. I want to remind you, I'm not saying it's either or. I'm not saying that one is good and one is bad. I'm, I'm not saying that they are mutually exclusive. What I am wanting you to hear is that, that in generous engagement, we will tend to be more descriptive than prescriptive. Uh, so let me explain what those are. And you know what a prescription is. I mean, the physician who sees and diagnoses your condition of being sick or having some malady or some problem or some issue, uh, the doctor says, hey, I want you to take these pills once a day for the next 10 days and your problem will be fixed. He prescribes something that will fix your condition. And that's a very important part of medicine to maintaining health, but it is not the baseline of health. It is not the baseline of, of living a healthy, full life. It's the occasional moment when you have to impose a prescriptive antidote or medication or remedy to a problem that you're experiencing. So we get into trouble when we define our faith completely in prescriptive ways, or we tend to define our faith and our Christian life in prescriptive ways, because suddenly we begin to redefine walking with God through Jesus as prescriptive. And what that does is it affects our mindset, because in, in any prescription, there is the assumption, first of all, that there is a malady, that there is a problem that has to be fixed. And secondly, and more importantly, that there is a remedy that can be applied by, by force of will, by our will. We can just take the pill and somehow it's going to get fixed. So if I recognize my sinful condition, then I can take the pill of saying the sinner's prayer and I will be fixed. I will be remediated. I will be, quote unquote, saved. And we build our Christian faith around that kind of prescriptive condition, remedy, and fi getting fixed, so to speak. But I think in, in talking about being kingdom people, it's better if we slide to the side of this continuum that says it is more descriptive than prescriptive. There are times when a prescription is required. But the baseline of Christian living should, should, should fall to the side, should tilt to the side of descriptive living. What is required of descriptive living is a vulnerability and an openness to the work of God in the surrendered life that is continuous over a lifetime. 
And as we begin to see how God is working, and as we begin to experience how God is working, and as we begin to see the Holy Spirit manifesting in and through us the work of God that is kingdom business in a pluralistic culture, now we begin to describe that and say, wow, that's of God. I can't claim credit for that. So you see, description is when you you experience or you observe, um, and then you describe it, right? Uh, There's nothing that we can do. It is only to open ourselves to the work of God in us. The only thing we can then do is to describe what has happened. There's no way that we can trace that back to human will. There's no way that we can trace that back to our own ingenuity or cleverness, you see. Being descriptive means that we posture ourselves in a position of vulnerable openness and complete surrender to the influence of God in us and through us so that what happens through our gifting, through our activity, through our work, through our speech, is all traceable to God and God alone, you see. It is a surrendered posture of watching God work through surrendered vessels. And generous engagement tends to become more descriptive than prescriptive in that we, when we bring a prescription to a culture or a group of people or a community that are obviously different or other, and we, we try to offer the prescription, it's usually the case that that is seen as a remedy that has no need. In other words, people say, I don't need that. I don't need the gospel. I'm just fine the way I am. In other words, we're offering a prescription to someone who doesn't even acknowledge or doesn't even see that there is a malady. When we are generously open in surrender to letting God work through us, now all of a sudden our role is not to impose, our role is to observe. And the initiative then comes from God through us. Now, does that mean that we don't do anything? We just become uh, uh, robots? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that we are completely surrendered in the use of our gifts, our abilities, our place, our connections, our work, our relationships. And we approach those people from a humble posture of representing God and, and reflecting Jesus Christ in that engagement. But we're not bringing prescriptive propositional truths into the environment in a way that that tries to convict them. Remember, conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. That job's already taken. Our responsibility is representing and reflecting God. So when I think about this idea of observing and experiencing God and then describing it, that then fuels my soul and causes me to grow. As I observe the work of God and I describe that, it strengthens my core, it strengthens my center, it builds my faith, it expands my horizons, and it stretches my reach into culture, all for the sake of the kingdom. 
One of my favorite uh, church leaders in history is a man by the name of John Wesley. And uh, John Wesley has influenced the church and the kingdom work of God in the world in a way that very few people ever have. And we still benefit from the work uh, of John Wesley. Um, Wesley did not write um, a big book on theology. It's interesting because when we start living our faith, one of the first things we want to do is we want to read books about theology. And we go to books that are often written in what is called a systematic way, from which we get the word systematic theology. And, and the systems of theological themes that we derive in Scripture and through God's revelation, we, we bring them together into kind of silos or compartments or systems of thinking about what is salvation, about what is sin, about what is the Holy Spirit, about, about what are miracles, and so forth and so on. And we systematize our theology, and the tendency then is to use that systemized pattern of thinking as a prescription to define Christian faith around the boundary. It's interesting that Wesley never wrote a book on theology like that. One of the most important books that Wesley wrote was his journal. He wrote a journal. I mean, that's he wrote a diary. Well, what's a journal and what's a diary? Well, a journal is where you live your life and then at night before you go to bed, you write about what happened. So, for example, when Wesley was sailing back from a very failed experience as a missionary in the new, the, the, the new land of Georgia, which is our current state of Georgia in the United States, um, he would write about his sadness, about his experience in Georgia. And then he observed the Moravians who were who are experiencing this fullness and this fervor in worship for God, and he began to desire that, and he wrote about his desire for that. Uh, other times, he would write about watching how God used his sermons to, to bring people into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. One particular experience that we often turn to happened in May, uh, in the month of May, he had gone to uh, the evening service at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, which is still standing. And after that Vesper service, he walked around the corner about a block or two away from the cathedral, around the backside of the cathedral, to a street called Aldersgate. And on Aldersgate Street, there was a gathering, uh, a meeting place. And actually, uh, there's a mall that sits on that location now, but there's a monument to this particular experience that John Wesley had. And he went into the meeting and someone was reading the introduction to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther. And while that reading was taking place, uh, he had this experience and later he wrote about it and he told about how he went to Aldersgate and he, this was happening. And the best descriptive phrase that we have used throughout centuries since then is that Wesley wrote, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed, right? A very powerful experience that Wesley had. And he wrote about that. And then he began to explore, what does that mean? How do I live that out? You see, it wasn't a case of him saying, here is a prescriptive 
theological doctrine that I am going to pursue and implement in my life, it was, I need to be open. I'm hungering after this vibrancy uh, in a relationship with God. And in that moment, God worked in his life in a strange way to warm his heart. He wrote about that, and for the rest of his life, he began to explore, unpack, and live out what he had learned. You see, describing the work of God that automatically infers that this comes from God and is available to the surrendered life, rather than defining a prescriptive truth or doctrine or position or expected behavior and then trying to communicate or impose that on people. Generous engagement will cause us to tilt more to being descriptive than prescriptive. I hope that you'll take some time to think about the moments when perhaps you have been mm, maybe a little prescriptive in how you've approached people who don't know God or who aren't like you and think about how they responded when you came to them with these prescribed remedies for what you perceived as their condition. And then think about a moment, maybe in your life, when you were simply wanting to know God more deeply and fully, and you opened your life, and then you experienced something that is only traceable back to God through His Holy Spirit. Generous engagement will tend to be more descriptive than prescriptive. I hope that God will seal to your heart a deeper understanding of that principle. Until the next time when we talk about a third principle that's very important. God bless you. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.